this is Jackie, a.k.a. Jax, a.k.a. Socially Anxious Dragon, and what you are about to hear is my live recording that I did uh, this past Saturday for um, episode 10, act 2, part 5, which is the final part of act 2. Um, I left a lot of it in. Uh, whenever I do live stuff, I like to keep it pretty organic, and I don't like to take a whole lot of it out even though I totally have the ability to edit more. And this is not my excuse to just be lazy and not edit more out, I promise. Um, so, uh, yeah, I'm about to explain that it's been a mess. It's my first live recording. Um, the only things I've taken out are, like, the big pauses because in the live recording you were actually looking at the, uh, um, at the images. And I also took out the sound from like the videos and stuff. Anyway, I'm going to try to keep this short because there's already going to be another introduction after this one that I kept in from my live recording because I'm ridiculous and I guess I want two introductions. I don't know. Anyway, let's get into it. Um, this is the start of my live recording of Act 2, Part 5. Um, this is my first time live recording. Sorry about the mess. Um... But I thought it would be fun if I did a live recording while um, reading my next Homestuck update. We are on uh, part five of Act Two. Um, I just kind of cut up the parts as I would. Hopefully, I will finish it this time because I've been on Act Two for way too long. I'm excited to continue on and maybe eventually get to the trolls. So. Um, yeah, without further ado, let's start. Dave, be the other guy. You are now the other guy. John, take dowels and sheets from bed and make a tent. This is so much fun. A huge waste of time, yes, but so much fun. Carve a totem of the punched pogo card. You put the punched card containing the pogo ride in the slot and carve a totem from one of the cruxite dowels. Repeat process with other cards and dowels. You use the card containing the code for the hammer as well as the one with the random code you punched over the shaving cream card for the hell of it. You carve the respective totems for the cards. Do the same with the capture log capture log card. You make a totem for the capture log card. Pretty bare bones looking totem, if you ask you. Rose, collect totems. You stow the totems in your athenium. Rose, produce capture log card. The alchemeter requires one unit of any type of brisk to produce one card. You decide to use shale since it seems generally less useful than bilgrist as of now. You make a whole bunch of them. E.B. Whoa, did you just make all these? T.T. Yes. E.B. Sweet, thanks. What did you do with all the blue wobbly base looking things? T.T. I brought the totems out to the alchemeter to test them. I'm taking some things into my own hands to save some time. E.B. Okay. You create a hammer at the expense of two units of Bilgrist. You make a pogo ride too. Minus five build, one shale. You use the totem carved with a random code. You create a 
rocket pack with some random crap stuck inside it. Looks like a cinder block, a violin, and a flower pot. The atoms have rendered the device completely inoperable. You figure you might as well put this piece of junk to use. John, collect cards. Using a little strategy, you first grab your Harry Anderson's Wise Guy by Mike Vaney, then use the cards in your ejected PDA, then the book again to flush the cards into your deck. Nice going. Turn on Detect Collisions. You flip your fetch modi, but find no such op options. This is idiotic. Read book. Be the wise guy. An introduction. Who's this wise guy? Blood loss in the big easy. New Orleans, 1977. The close-up room at the new magic castle was this mean little box that tended to fill up with so much smoke you'd swear someone was cremating a wet dog in there. In walks Anderson. There isn't much that gets liquor to pause its journey from the table to my lips, but I'll be the bastard love child of a listless octoroon if that kid wasn't the cat that swallowed the canary in the dapper little hat. It looks like he was testing the tensile strength of his suspenders to damn the near limit with a pair of cocky thumbs. I wasn't impressed. But I was a fool. Somehow, in my motion for another beverage, he'd already slipped into polite conversation at a table held down by some notoriously uh, brusque regulars. He had them in no time flat. They were melting butter in his glass ramekins. Whatever tidy yarn he'd spun to win them over, I didn't catch a word of it. One of them laughed. I was angry. Envious? Maybe a little. Yeah, you bet I was. Anderson had one of those little wooden finger choppers that Mickey Hades used to sell, the kind where the blade could be removed and clearly shown. It was a very convincing little guillotine that did not look like a novelty store toy. Harry would get a guy to examine the chopper and then cut a cigarette in half. He then held a guy's hand up and told this silly story. The story, of course, was artifice, a distraction for the guy and the audience while he worked his stuff with the chopper. Or it would become that, once his famous chopper trick was perfected, vaulting him into fame, fortune, and the crowning position in the television judiciary. With what became his signature aplomb, Anderson was in moments a front breast pocket gauze, profuse apology, and redoubling determination. It's really amazing how hard it is to find a bloody sausage piece of a guy on the floor of a room that dark and smoky. Impossible, I think we all proved. Just as impossible as blind Willie Buttermilk Stubbs was going to find it to work his trumpet tomorrow night without his twiddling fingers. You never really understood what Cavani's relation to Anderson was, or why he wrote a book about him. His ambivalent attitude toward your favorite magician in these anecdotes always struck you as a little weird, and to be honest, you tend to not read much of the text in the book. You mostly like to look at the diagram for all the cool tricks. A Hole in the Ace a.k.a. the a-hole trick. Here is a perfect example of how Harry could ruin several decks of cards, waste everyone's valuable time, and have you love him for it. He was good at that. One day, he noisily emptied his suit jacket pocket onto the hood of his car in search of a change for the meter. A clunky metal thing slid from the pile and bounced on the sidewalk. As I retrieved it for him, I asked what he was doing with a hole puncher in his pocket. His face lit up at the question like he was an elf, and I asked him how he felt about climbing into the hollow of a big tree to bake some cookies or something. 
the two-foot-six-inch height differential between us caused these comparisons to enter my mind. A small crowd had already gathered around even before he produced the first pack of unmolested cards. How people seem to gather, and how they even know a street performance is about to take place, I'll never know. It's, perhaps, Anderson's greatest trick, luring the marks like that. I wanted to ask if he was sure about this, performing in broad daylight. He was used to working in dark rooms. It was usually the first thing out of his mouth when he would queer a trick. I'm really more accustomed to working in a darker room than this. But Harry was excited, and had already butchered the first deck of cards with the hole puncher, and issued the first round of apologies to the crowd. These were like the primer apologies, the sort that got the folks loosened up a bit before the seven-course meal of ingratiation that would inevitably follow. He asked me for a fresh deck of cards, and I gave him one. The principle behind the trick, in theory, as he explained to me later, was to punch holes in what appeared to be one card, but was in fact two or more together, hence the difficulty he often had in squeezing the puncher with his little elfish hands, then using some coy maneuvers with his thumb, temporarily concealing the hole while he slid the card beneath it with his palm. The hole would seem to disappear or move to another part of the card. Oh yeah, that's right. The old hole in the ace trick, interestingly enough, pertaining to punching holes in cards and making them disappear and stuff. Your hands were never really strong enough to make this one work all that well either. But actually, this gives you an idea. You overlap two of the punched cards. They mask each other's hole patterns. Put both cards in totem wave. You carve another totem using the new combined hole pattern. Take it to the alchemeter. Oh man, looks like Rose made a, like a million hammers for some reason. Get all the shit out of the way, you're about to make something sweet. You got the pogo hammer. Practice with new weapon. TT, what did you do? EB, I combined the cards in the lay thing and made this. It is so sweet, man, look at me go. TT, I see. That was a really good idea, John. Nice work. EB, thanks. I got the idea from Harry Anderson. T.T. Who? E.B. Uh, you know the show Night Court? T.T. No. E.B. Oh. Well, bottom line is, he's awesome. That's really all there is to say on the matter. Attack the nearest imp to test Pogo Hammer's strength. You get a vicious, rhythmic, bouncing combo going and easily slay the imp in one blow. You and the Pogo Ride are catapulted sky-high in the process. Sweet catch. Rose, Pester John. E.B. Hey, that was a pretty uh, nice uh, TT. Sweet catch? E.B. Say, oh yeah, that. This is pretty comfy. Why don't you just, like, carry the bed around with me on it? Up to the gate up there. T.T. I can't interact with you directly or anything that you are touching if it will result in moving you. See? E.B. Oh. Lame. T.T. The game probably regards that as a kind of cheating. In a way, thieving you of your free will as an adventurer, and the need to advance by your own skill and ingenuity. The server player is just a facilitator. E.B. Well, okay. All that scurrying around kind of wore me out. I think I'm going to rest here for a bit. Rose, can you keep the imps at bay? Like, drop some stuff on them if they sneak too close? T.T. No, you should pick up your hammer and defend yourself. 
Evie, what? Come on. Titi, I have no idea what the hell Dave is up to or if he's any close to recovering the game. There's some stuff I'd like to try in case he doesn't come through. Oh, all right. I'm just going to rest my eyes up here a second, though. Rose, check alchemy at... at... Cursus? Alchemy at Cursus. It looks like a sort of index documenting all the known results for punch card alchemy combinations. This could be a convenient resource as you start to stumble on more useful card combinations, but ever since John started punching cards, you've been contemplating other ways this item manufacturing system could be put to use. In particular, if you could obtain the code for any item at your disposal, you think you could theoretically send the code to John and he could make it himself. That is, if you can think of anything that would be worth sending to him. Capsulog Esperb Server CD You eject the disk and capsulog the server CD. Message John the capture code. Oh, God damn it. Face palm times two combo. John, wake up. Gigi, hey. Evie, whoa, there you are. Gigi, how's your adventuring going, John? Evie, it's okay. I'm making some progress, and Rose finally connected again, so she, was help so she is helping me now. Gigi, that's good. Evie, oh, but like... I don't think I'm actually saving the world here. I don't know what I'm really accomplish accomplishing, but I guess it's not that. Gigi, hmm, well, I think whatever it is, it must be pretty important. Don't lose hope, John. I think it will all turn out for the best if you stay positive. Just keep listening to your grandmother's advice. Evie, yeah, you're probably right. But, um, I don't think I mentioned Nana to you, did I? Gigi, oh, uh, I don't know, didn't you? E.B., hmm, I don't know, maybe you talked to Rose or Dave about it or something. Gigi, yeah, maybe that was it. E.B., they're really weird when they talk to me about you. Like, they're always trying to convince me you have some spooky powers, but I'm always like, no, she seems like a pretty regular girl to me. Gigi, yeah. E.B., but then when I think back, maybe there are times when it seems like you know some things? Like, maybe you know more about a thing than you are telling me? I don't know. Gigi. Oh, well, John, I want to explain lots of things to you. Some things that I know, I'm just waiting. Evie. Waiting for what? Gigi. Oh, John, I forgot. I was messaging you about that meteor that fell near my house. Evie. Oh, yeah. Whatever happened with that? Gigi. Oh boy, well, it turns out I was confused about it. Really confused. See, I guess I fell asleep for a while and lost track of time. That happens. E.B., yeah, I know, tell me about it. Maybe you should, like, wear an alarm clock or something. So what was the deal with that meteor? Gigi, well, it's hard to explain. But I know what it is now, and I now know... Everything's going to be okay. Evie, so what was it? Or is this just another thing that you're waiting to tell me? Gigi, oh gosh, John, I really want to tell you all this stuff. But I can't yet. I really think you need to wake up first. Evie, huh? Gigi, well, okay, not literally. Well, okay, maybe kind of literally. Evie, ah, stop being so confusing. Gigi, 
LOL. Anyway, I think it's time for you to go, John. I think you have some company. Gardenostic GG ceased pestering ectobiologist EB at question marks? John, quickly grab the pogo hammer. You stick the pogo hammer back in your strife specibus and get ready to kill some more of those pesky little... Huh? What's that? Tentacle therapist TT ceased pestering ectobiologist EB at question marks? EB, Rose, why aren't you dropping something on that thing? Oh no. Be the imp. You be the imp and quickly abscond the fuck out of there. This is the weaker ad this is what weaker adversaries do whenever things get too hot to handle, which is frequently. Prepare for a boss battle. You stop being the imp because that was stupid, and scurry over to your magic chest that you suddenly remembered was on the roof. There are some things in here that would be good to stock up on for a major battle. But it looks like someone has plundered your chest. This is so outrageous. You are being ambushed. There isn't much room to maneuver on this sloping roof. Maybe you should consider making your way to higher ground. Ascend to the highest point of the house. You go up here. Look down. You peek over the edge. It already seems like a long way down to your yard. Not even to speak of whatever's below. Hey, weren't your tricky handcuffs dangling from that branch earlier? Damn it, why do imps go making off with all your sweet gear? Turn around. Crude ogre. You are confronted with a pair of enormous foes. This is it. You have no choice but to wage a fierce rooftop battle. This is totally going to happen now, and could no, and could in no way conceivably be interrupted by a sudden shift in our attention. It's go time. It's time to do this thing. We're doing it, man. We're making this happen. Dave, stop being the other guy. You stop being the other guy. You're not even sure what that meant anyway. Ascend to the highest point of the building. Psych. Oh, wait. Times two double psych-out combo. You are now the wayward vagabond. Retrieve. Got him already. Examine rotten pumpkin. What pumpkin? Check the little red bar. It appears to be a gauge for a large power cell, perhaps fueled by some type of nuclear reaction. If this is the case, it is relatively low on fuel. But who knows how long it has been running here. You do not care about this sort of nonsense, and you will disregard it at once. You are very hungry. Capsulog can of gravy. Capsulog? You have no idea what that means. It is total nonsense, and you do not know what to make of it. You will not give the foolish notion a second thought. Pick up the can of gravy. Just pick it up. You just pick it up. You are now holding the can of gravy. Use sharp teeth to poke a hole in the lid of the can. Your teeth are useless for the task. They are blunt like that of livestock, presumably suitable for making a ma Ugh. presumably suitable for mashing up plant matter and not for puncturing metal. Attempt to open can with your weak pathetic digits. Your weak pathetic digits are not strong enough to penetrate the can. Your fingers are certainly pointy enough, and your black carcass 
is suitably rigid, but you just don't have enough muscle for the task. Take the can labeled beans. Okay, you take that too. Examine can of custard. You can clearly read mustard, a fact of which you were perfectly well aware. It is sort of cumbersome holding all these cans at once. You doubt you can hold any more than this, maybe one or two. You'll need to find something to put stuff in if you want to carry a lot of things around. Examine marking on wrist. You drop all the cans and take a look at your wrist. It is a sort of specialized barcode pattern. This brings back unpleasant memories and you would prefer not to dwell on it. Examine the small potted plant. What plant? Checkbook on human etiquette. It appears half the pages of this book have been eaten. The daunting volume is considerably lighter than it once was. Sustenance. Intermediary. This is the key. Consumption. You are somewhat skeptical about the nutritional value contained by these pages. However, the, however, of the practical wisdom they contain, there can be little doubt. You have learned so much. Clear out all the cans inside the purple machine. You empty the peculiar cabinet and take quick inventory of your canned goods. You have beans, mustard, gravy, bread, shrimp, asparagus, cheese, rice, corn, peas, flour, chestnuts, mayo, ham, potatoes, and squash. Such bountiful plenty, and yet the delights taunt you from within their small metal prisons. Search room for can opener. You have already looked all over the place for a can opener, even making a few electronic inquiries about one, to no avail. Nothing else inside the purple thing either. Locate a nearby sharp object. You wield your trusty knife. It is actually, uh, you're not sure what they're called. It's an old, rusted, one of those red mailbox arm swing flappy doodads. Either for letting you know there is mail in the box, or maybe alerting the mailman to outgoing mail to be collected. You don't know, really. You've wrapped a little piece of cloth around it for the grip. It is useless for opening cans. Be the imp. This means nothing to you. You are not an imp. You have no idea what an imp is, and you will not entertain such frivolous and childish ideas ever again. You feel stupid and hate yourself a little for even considering it. Become the mayor of Cantown. As the glorious founder of mayor, as the glorious founder and mayor of Cantown, you erect a dignified, majestic city hall out of cans, fittingly capped off with the tome of good manners for the roof. You have given yourself a very official and important-looking mayoral, mayoral slash made out of old cables to complete your look of authority. A number of rather civic-minded citizen cans gather in front of the building to offer adulation to their fair and magnanimous, yeah, magnanimous leader. All is well. You immerse yourself in this beautiful dream as you whittle away the minutes, or perhaps hours. You love the idea of being a mayor. You love everything about mayors and the concept of an orderly, civil democracy. It all seems so mannerly and reasonable to you. Everyone is friendly and happy, and the city ruin 
and the city runs like clockwork. The foundation of the government is based on mutual respect between the leader and its people. It is also built on having a really great mayor that everyone loves who is totally amazing and heroic and brave. Mayors are so much better than kings. You hate kings and you think kings are really stupid. They are petty, bossy tyrants and are really full of themselves and are basically awful in every way. God, do you hate kings. Explore west of Cantown. Over here is the other side of the room. There is another one of those purple storage boxes and some useless objects scattered on the floor. Use glowing green rock to open cans. You pick up the nugget of uranium and... Oh, that was stupid. Why did you do that? Examine box of crayons. It's chalk, numbnuts. Inside the box, there are 12 pieces of chalk in every color of the... 10 pieces of chalk in most colors of the rainbow. You are excited by this. Try to open the storage box. It's locked. There must be some sort of release mechanism for this thing. Examine contents of yellow container. The container is full of motor oil. This does not seem useful to you right now. Rescue that poor lightning bug. There is nothing you can do for this new little friend. Attempting to crush the amber and casing the firefly would likely cause it harm. It nevertheless bravely flashes on. You find its lights alluring, inspiring. To you, it seems as if it could quite easily serve as the light of... Democracy. Use the chalk to draw some roads. You sketch a handsome network of sprawling thoroughfares for your citizens to traverse. The adoring population applauds its mayor's keen instincts for city planning. You even add some lush vegetation to your city with a piece of blue chalk because you can't seem to find more, a more suitable color for some reason. Lay a chalk foundation for Cantown's civic growth. You develop westward, settling those fertile plains and claiming them for your city. You section off a number of residential and commercial zones for civic growth arranged in the only logical pattern that occurs to you. You color the residential zones with your piece of white chalk. Right, you color the residential zones with your piece of white chalk, but for some reason, none of the colors in the box strike you as suitable for the commercial zone. Perhaps there is an alternative. Use your own pee for the commercial zones. You cannot urinate because you have not had anything to drink in quite some time. You are very thirsty. Also, that is a really terrible idea, and you would not consider befouling your wonderful city in that way for even a moment. Use motor oil to designate commercial zones. You fill each empty square with a bit of motor oil to complete the zoning. It looks rather striking to you. You can hardly imagine that an upcoming young can trying to make it in the world would not be delighted to live in your fair district. You are very careful not to get any of the unpleasant fluid on your person. Peel label from can of mayo and affix it to sash. Survey surroundings in search of more terrain for city. It seems you have run out of territory for your western expansion, but there is still a lot of empty wall space. Perhaps your citizens would be happier with a colorful backdrop that would make them feel more at home. Using most of your imagination in an entire piece of sky blue chalk, 
you render a bright and cheerful sky full of clouds. You have decided that very closely orbiting your city is a luminous planet about which orbits a single moon. You switch to another shade of blue and continue rendering the, rest, the western wall. Orbiting much further from your city are four planets. None of these have satellites, you decide. You decide. You have decided. Yes, that makes sense, you think. And on the southern wall, beyond an imp impenetrable veil of darkness, occupying the furthest orbit yet, there is an ominous planet. A moon circles this one, too. Check that rampaging boy on the screen. Oh yeah, it's that guy. You had almost forgotten about him and his confusing shenanigans. It seems like he has things well in hand at the moment. He does not appear to need your help, and you have already concluded that he cannot help you, at least for the time being. Turn on the other three screens. You have no idea how to turn these on. There is no mouse for this weird quadra-monitored computer. It can only be operated through text commands from its keyboard. Perhaps there is a special key or command which will allow you to switch to another monitor? Press tab. Consume several cans. You free the heavenly brown elixir from the jewels of pink carpus and imbile the imbile imbibe like the wind. It is so sweet and sugary. You wonder how so much sugar can fit in one can. Whatever mighty wizard concocted this potion is truly deserving of your fear and respect. Welcome the rest into the city. The tabs are naturalized as loyal new citizens of Cantown. All cans are welcome and equal in your city, regardless of can content and whether empty or full. It's not like emptying a can kills it or anything. They are just cans after all. Hit escape. Feeling refreshed and heavily caffeinated, you go back to work on the big computer. You hit escape, which seems to minimize the actions which seems to minimize the action window thingy and reveals a history of all the commands you've entered. You use the arrow key to scroll up a bit. You can't believe how much you've already typed into this stupid contraption. What a waste of time. Home. View. Switch 2. Switch 3. Switch 4. Switch 1. Escape. Lock room 3. Pass. View. Reboot. You scroll all the way up to your first command. It looks like there are more commands above it. Perhaps someone was entering commands on this thing before you? Perhaps some Maybe someone was entering commands on this thing before you? There aren't many more. At the top of this list appears to be the very first command. Type switch to. You activate screen two. The signal is garbled and you have no idea what you're looking at. Some sort of filthy beggar pleading for help? No one is around and nothing is happening. You seem to be locked out of any sort of interaction with whatever's happening on this monitor. Type switch three. It's another one of these rapscallions. This monitor is locked too. You can't tell him what to do, not that you really want to since it just looks more con just looks like more confusing nonsense to you. You consider switching to screen four, but decide against it. You have a feeling that whatever's there would just confuse you even more and you don't even really care all that much anyway. Type home. All four screens activate. Together they display a countdown. 
starting at 4 hours and 13 minutes. Type reboot. You can't. Nothing is working anymore. The timer seems to have disabled the keyboard. Be the mayor. Enough of this nonsense. You are an important mayor and this absurd and this absurd contraption has wasted enough of your time. You've got a city to govern with a carpist fist, which is to say firm yet polished and supple as the situation demands. Anyway, this will help you kill some time while you wait for that clock to count down. Great employment opportunities for the citizen cans. You temporarily dismantle City Hall to free up all of the can power available to create a vigilant town militia. You divide them you divide them into two groups, marking them with distinct teams and ranks using the piece of white chalk with the piece of white chalk and the mo and the motor oil. You then organize them into phalanics across the courtyard, across the court side, preparing for a stiff training regiment. When you are through with them, your forces will be a well-oiled machine. Chalk another one up to bold leadership. Lead your men to victory. You waste more than four hours on this tomfoolery. Mourn the loss of Citizen Tab. Your caffeinated jittering must have agitated all the little bubbles curiously hidden in the liquid, creating too much pressure in the can. You speculate this is why it exploded as you nervously eye the timer. You are starting to wonder what will happen when it reaches zero. Maybe it would be best not to be near it when this happens. Minutes in the future. Though perhaps not as few as implied by circumstances. A perjuring mendicant trungle, trundles precious cargo beneath the gleam of celestially the gleam of the celestially ominous go outside and get some sun you say a bittersweet goodbye to your beloved city it is time to move on to greener pastures by which of course you mean an arid sandy wasteland upon which nothing green has grown in years the door shuts behind you a panel on the door becomes illuminated as you ponder over the marks on the panel you hear another mechanical sound overhead. The LCD panel appears to have a touchscreen interface. Curiously prod the funny-looking spirograph. It appears the funny-looking spirograph room is locked. The floor rotates a full 360 degrees beneath you, while the surrounding wall seems to stay put. Select the triangly fractal. The triangly fractal room does not appear to be locked. The floor turns 120 degrees and the door opens. You go through the door to find another room. It's the same size as the other one you just wasted all that time in, while the clock was ticking down to something which may or may not be your doom. Perhaps there is something in here that will help you escape. Against the wall, there is another perplexing contraption. Against the opposite wall is some sort of control panel which catches your eye. It has two large screens, but only one appears to be active. There are fields for numbers which appear to be modifiable with the dials to the right. Some numbers are already supplied by default, perhaps entered by the previous user. There are a few buttons below, the largest one bearing the symbol marking this room. It also looks like there is a matter there is a meter stick propped up there for some reason. Attach your trusty knife to the meter stick. 
you immediately crack a measuring spear through possibly the most advanced form of alchemy employed thus far. It is obviously the most important thing to do first. Obviously. Or it would obviously be the most important thing if you had remembered to bring your trusty knife. You feel so insecure without your trusty knife. It makes you want to sh split your wrists. Or at least the very least or at the very least, clog your carpus with some sort of measuring apparatus. Look at the other wall. You examine the perplexing contraption across the room. You, of course, have no idea what it could possibly do. You adopt the only obvious course of action, which is to poke and prod it with your handy ruler. You are quite sure this is what science is all about. Press the triangle pattern. You go back to the control panel, which probably obviously controls that gizmo, and you push the big blue button, which is obviously probably the most obvious thing to push. A purify. You a purify a pumpkin. Examine pumpkin. It seems this mysterious gourd was transported, transported, a purified, from a specific time and location somewhere on this planet you were on. You wonder if the machine, a purifier, will take any object that exists at whatever time and location you supply. There is a symbol carved on the pumpkin. You don't know what it means, and you doubt it will ever prove to be relevant in any way. Devour Pumpkin You consider dining on the ripe brush of the plump vegetable, but your curiosity about the purifier gets the better of you. You try to sneak a nibble from the pumpkin nonetheless. Inspect Green Buttons you first examine the attractive green buttons. The icon for the one on the left is the house shape you've seen plenty of times before. The right one on the the right one on closer inspection appears to be the map for this underground facility with an X marking its center. Press green button on right. You push the button. All of the numbers change. Perhaps these are coordinates for the location of the center of the facility along with the local date and time? If this is the case, it would make a most useful reference point for your current bearings. Fiddle with the dials. One way to find out would be to attempt to purify something from this facility. It should be easy to zero in on the location relative to the center because you have an uncanny knack for tracking precise distances you have already traversed in whatever units you choose. Your handy ruler gives you a good clue as to the basic unit of human measurement. You will go with that. A purify your trusty knife. You nudge the coordinates very slightly and bump up the elevation by 0.5 human measurement units. You make sure to keep the time approximately what it was to begin with. You purify your trusty knife. A purify can town. You nudge the numbers a bit more to purify a bunch of cans. This is so much more efficient than walking back to the other room to get them. You are to believe that time is at a premium, after all. Deapurify the pumpkin. Does that machine look like a deapurifier to you? Honestly, the idea that an purifier could both purify and deapurify things is so laughably ridiculous you would wish someone would deapurify your brain and reappurify it with the brain that is more smart and less dumb. Use trusty knife to carve spook schema in pumpkin. What the hell are you talking about? 
That idea makes no sense at all and is basically meaningless. Trying to use that mushy stuff in your gourd next time. Instead, you just carve off the top, exposing a decadent cache of gorgeous seed-laden ambrosia. Needless to say, you consume all of it rather quickly, but it turns out to be too gross for us to watch. Move Spirograph Switch You cannot move it. It has spirograph-shaped indentation and probably will require a special kind of key to turn it. A purified firefly out of the amber. You release your blinky new friend. You will give her a name when something suitably whimsical occurs to you. Adjust time dial to a purify rotten pumpkin. You and Serenity consider new ways to waste more time with the purifier. You are assuming she is a girl? You are assuming she is a girl firefly even though you are not really sure that fireflies can even be girls. You target the extremely tasty rotten pumpkin that was sitting in the room sitting in the other room hours ago. It seems the purifier cannot purify something if it would create a time paradox. A gelatinous ghost pumpkin appears and quickly dissolves into a pile of unappetizing sludge. A purify the grate over the entrance to the facility. Serenity blinks the message of urgency. You nearly forgot that while trapped in amber, she, she was witness to all of your tomfoolery and dilly-dallying in the other room and knows the timer is about to expire. It is time to get the show on the road and escape. You reset the coordinates with the right green button again, and this time only adjust the elevation by approximately 10 human measurement units. Hasten to the exit post-haste. Psych? Oh, wait. Unpsych. You attempt the rare and highly dangerous five-times cliffhanger combo and fail. We are doing it, man. We are making it happen. Ascend. And now we're finally done with Act 2. Um, yeah, sorry for not updating more recently. Uh, that's one of the reasons I wanted to do a, a live, because I haven't been updating recently, so I thought it'd be a, a nice little extra thing. Um, yeah, I'll try to update more regularly. I've just been going back to school, so that's been taking up a lot of my time. Um, I'm probably not going to do another live. This was just a special thing, uh, because it's been so long since I updated. Um, I'm going to edit it and have a regular post for this for Monday so if you don't want to watch me screw up all the time and listen to me screw up all the time you can just have that and have your intro and outro music because I don't know how to do enough of this to add intro and outro music if you can even do that besides just like pulling up a file and playing it which seems kind of silly I don't know I don't know what I'm doing but I have plenty of time to figure it out which is why I don't really care about messing up that much because Homestuck is fucking long Anyway, thank you for watching, um, whether you're watching it with me live or you're watching it uh, after the fact, and um, I'll get back to regular updates starting next week. Uh, as always, thank you for listening to all my stuff. Thank you for supporting me. You can support me on Patreon at, um, my name on there is Socially Anxious Dragon, uh, Spotify, um, not Spotify, holy crap. Uh, SoundCloud um, will not be updating uh, because I thought I got three hours a month, but I got three hours, period. So unless I want to spend more money, which I don't have, maybe once I get a job, but I do not have that money right now. Uh, so yeah, it's not going to be on iTunes or SoundCloud. It's just going to be 
on YouTube until I get the money to afford a uh, SoundCloud subscription. Um, but yeah, thank you for Andrew Hesby for making this. And I hope you guys have been enjoying it. If you want any changes from me, please let me know. I think I'm going to stop having so much talking at the beginning and save it all for the end. Um, that way you can just get right into it and you can skip all my end talking if you don't care about that. Um, if that sounds like a good change, let me know. If you want me to keep uploading to SoundCloud and just get rid of the old episodes and only have the newest on there, um, let me know. Um, just uh, whatever seems good to you. Also, I have a Redbubble store. It is Jack's Yaks. And I have some Homestuck designs on there, as, as well as some other designs that you probably don't care about as much. But I'm not great at drawing, so they're crappy little doodles. But I honestly want to get some of them. Uh, so maybe you would want to get some of them too. Check that out. Um, and yeah, this has been my live stream. This has been finally the end of Act 2. And I will see you for uh, the beginning of Act 3. Uh, not this upcoming Monday, but the Monday after. Thank you so much, and goodbye.